0: Welcome to the occasional uh, podcast of Four Oaks East, where we uh, we record occasionally about occasions. Uh, I'm Greg. I'm the church planting resident at Four Oaks East, and I'm joined today by, again, the illustrious bishop oh, no. of Four Oaks East, Pastor Josh.
1: What's going on? We need some like, yeah! Now, when we when we really take this, when we get some sponsors, maybe we'll, okay, we'll get a well, professional well, okay, engineer and do okay. some sound effects. So. What's happening? Not too much. Good. Not too good. much. It's a good awesome. day, busy day. I just went to a, uh, just went to a funeral, and I uh, was just reminded mm. that what Ecclesiastes says, that it's better to go to the house mm. of mourning than to man. go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. And so I'm yeah. laying it to heart today, man. Yeah. I'm um, remembering my frailty, I'm remembering how yeah. fleeting life is, mm. and uh, how important um, the uh, the truths that we've staked our hope on yeah. are for our, for our endurance and, and for our joy. Praise God. I can't think of something more
0: appropriate to meditate on during Advent. You may come across this podcast and it's not Advent, but currently it is Advent of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what better thing to think about than our frailty? That's right. Uh, Well, we are uh, gathered together to uh, continue our podcast about um, some questions we got from our equip night on homosexuality, uh, I guess about a month ago now, a month, month and a half ago. Um, and we started answering some of these questions and had to cut it short. And so we want to finish up some of the questions that were given um, on homosexuality. So I'm going to pelt Pastor Josh with questions and he's going to uh, give us wisdom from on high, uh, a.k.a. from the word of God. That's so, that's the hope anyway. Is that, is that it? All right. Uh, I'm going to pelt you with this first question here. So what are some good ways to think about and care for people with same sex attraction in the context of a community group?
1: The context of a community group. Okay, yeah. that's a wonderful question. Um, we want our the the purpose of our community groups are uh, they're meant to be spaces where we can uh, live life together in community uh, as a fellowship of believers, where we can cultivate friendships and uh, do discipleship, care for one another, and encourage and spur one another on. On mission, and so this is the sort of thing that, as we're trying to care for one another, if someone's experiencing same-sex attraction and is seeking to to mortify that and to to put it to death and to walk in obedience to Christ, then um, hopefully our community groups will be a space where they can do that and where they can get care and help, um, and and can be reminded of of who God is for them in Christ. And so uh, I love this question, and I hope that our community groups are are a space where that can happen. And so a few. A few ways to think about and care for people with same-sex attraction in community group. I think the first thing is just to make sure that um, that this particular struggle is not uh, some sort of special category of struggle. Uh, we would want people who experience same-sex attraction to feel like uh, their community group is a place where they can be safe to be seen uh, for who they are, uh, with all of their frailties, with all of their uh, with all of their struggle. Uh, a place where we carry one another's burdens, um, bear one of those burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, Paul says, uh, is that Galatians? That's in Galatians, right? Yep. Uh, and um, I don't have my Bible open in front of me. I have it closed in front of me. I should probably have it open. Um, but uh, that's a significant burden that someone who is seeking to walk in obedience and holiness yeah. to Christ is experiencing that. That's a significant burden them to carry. And so in the church, we should be cultivating uh, environments where people can carry that burden. And um, I think really just knowing them, mm-hmm. loving them, mm-hmm. uh, helping them sort of process their story, their experiences, and, and just holding that, and then just really moving toward that person in friendship. Yeah. Um, one, recognize how, how how much courage it takes for somebody in a Christian context to share uh, that struggle. Um, God's given us a family in the church. Mm-hmm. It's the only family that you're going to take with you into the next life. Right. Those bonds are even yeah. more uh, durable and sturdy and thick than the bonds of of, uh, of, of the family unit. And I think that's one of the areas where the church hasn't historically excelled mm-hmm. is is embracing that that family identity where we have thick relationships that are able to withstand hard stuff like like that. Um, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, who's helped my thinking so much on this issue, um, uh, talks about how how strong the homosexual community is mm-hmm. at being a community, yeah. and how much. Um, how much better they were at it than what she yep. first experienced when she came into the church mm-hmm. and that's a that's a that's a rebuke to us uh, to uh, to not make our 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 bonds and our friendship easy and convenient and a matter of just shared interest or or um or common conviction about secondary mm-hmm. issues but uh, out of out of certainty that we belong to one another in Christ, right, and that um, God wants to persevere you through my faith and mm-hmm. me through yours, mm. let's link arms in relationship as we carry these struggles yeah. um, together. Uh, actually, I have a, I, I have a quote that I had that I had pulled for this, uh, this particular question from Rosaria Butterfield. Um, she's talking about. I actually shared this when we did our. Um, when we did our equip night talking mm-hmm. about um, what it means to be pro-life, mm-hmm. pro-abundant life yeah. from womb to the tomb. Uh, and she talks about the way that these these worldviews tend to intersect. And she says the worldview that redefines personhood, uh, whether it's um, denying the dignity of a person based on their socioeconomic status mm-hmm. or their ethnicity mm-hmm. or their utility um, yeah. in the case of a person who is considering uh, aborting their unborn child, She says, the worldview that redefines personhood denies the God who created us and despises Jesus, the prophet whose wisdom knows no earthly bounds, the Mm. priest whose grace and sacrifice knows no earthly shackles, the king whose power and authority orchestrates the details of every life and every day. She says this, that was my worldview Mm. not too terribly long ago, Mm -hmm. and it would be my worldview now if Jesus and his people hadn't shown up in my life. And stay for the long haul mm. and so i mean that's it in a sentence show up in their life be present love them mm-hmm. uh, express your solidarity with them as a member as members of one another and stay there yeah. for the long haul commit yeah. yourself to it amen, amen. but would you, what would you add to that
0: um yeah i honestly don't think there's much to add i think uh the friendship key is so important because sins that are really besetting tend to dominate our our view and our perspective, and there can be days and weeks and months where it feels like that's all that there is to me. That's it's right. this, this just this struggle. And it takes it takes friendship. For somebody to just ask something as simple as like, how's work? And it's like, oh yeah, I do do that work thing, don't I? You know, like, when's the last time you went to the movies? Like, uh, to, to, to offer a perspective on them to say like, no, you're more than just this struggle, right? I refuse to see you as just your struggle. You are not that. You are my brother, my sister, my friend, uh you are uh, uh, an image bearer of of the living god conformed to the image of Christ and indwelt by the spirit of god you have something to offer me it's good um right. and i have something to offer you but even if you had nothing to offer i would still love you because i love you that's right um and so yeah the avenue of friendship and family i think is is where this is is so important this is what can sustain someone in the midst of this sort of fear really uh and, and the and the weakness that comes with a struggle like that that's good. yeah um. Thanks for that, Pastor Josh. There was another question uh, about this kind of an equipping question for equippers, um, parents, caregivers who have sort of uh, younger people in their care, or maybe this could be like a mentor or uh, uh, somebody who's just trying to think about how, how is it that we can have conversations that would help shape our younger people's perspectives on, you know, the LGBTQ plus movement and and homosexuality. But obviously do it in ways that are helpful that facilitate love and truth uh, and not fear?
1: Man, that's a that's another really, really good question. I think um, I would start with the reality that um, we need to be we need to be honest early, but not necessarily Fully honest, uh, <laughs> but honest in age-appropriate ways in yeah. telling our kids about yeah. the reality of the world. Um, I was just talking to a friend who's a pastor in another city, and they have young kids, probably pretty close in age to your kids, mm-hmm. and they were talking about they have a they have they they live they have neighbors who are a homosexual couple, mm-hmm. and they love them. They're yeah. in community with them. They, they're they they're constantly, you know, just having them over and, yeah. and expressing exactly. friendship and neighborly stuff with them. Yeah. And they're having to have these conversations with yeah. their kids at really yeah. young ages yeah. um, about the goodness of God's design and how sin deceives and mm-hmm. corrupts. And, um, and, and in the midst of that, we love these people because they're made in the image of God and they matter to God. Mm-hmm. And so they matter to us yeah. and we can still be in relationship and in friendship with them. Um, and so whatever whatever truth is appropriate to the age and stage uh, where that person you're caring for, your kid, uh, wherever they are, um, the way I, the that analogy that I still haven't fully worked out yet, but I've kind of used a couple of different times. It's always dangerous. I guess we can edit this out if I feel like it doesn't land. <laughs> oh, that's definitely staying But if you think, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, if you think of like two stages of parenting, especially mm-hmm. there's the early years kind of where you are right now. Yep. And then the, 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 the latter years where I am right now, mm-hmm. parenting when your kids are in your home, in the early years, like your job right now is to keep Ethan and Jordan sort of safe in the yep. nurture of your home, mm-hmm. and so you can kind of think of it like you're you're telling Ethan and Jordan all the time, stay in the yard, mm-hmm. right? Don't don't go wandering, right. yep. you know, Absolutely. don't go wandering into the world that's Quite scary literally. out there. There's yeah. yeah, there's danger out there. Yeah. Well, at a certain point, you have to prepare your children to be men and women in that scary world out mm-hmm. there, and if if you never make that transition to that second phase where you're actually saying, okay, here's what it's like out there. Mm-hmm. Here's how you encounter that world yeah. that maybe doesn't align with the values that you've learned in your home. Mm-hmm. Then your kids are not going to be well prepared for right. how to be adults in that big, scary yeah. world. It's uh, the in il- illustrations I've used. It's like, you keep your kids in the house, and you say there's snakes out there. Look out for the snakes. Don't mm-hmm. go outside. There's snakes. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually, they're gonna have to leave the house and figure out how to go be in a world where there's snakes. Right. And those things will bite you, and you got to know how to avoid <laughs> them. To and yeah. you got to know to call Danny Brown if you don't that's know right. what kind of snake it is, and he'll tell that's you. And right. or and, call
0: Asia. She's got some mean snake identification. Does Asia skills. have snake identification? This is a skills? this is a recent occurrence, but I didn't know this. Has, yeah, it's a thing now.
1: I, I'm not surprised, knowing the the omniscopence. That's of Asia. right. Yeah. But uh no, that's another thing. Yeah, just yet yet another thing. <laughs> yes. Um, that she's. Awesome about no and so I think I think that's part of I've seen so many parents um crush it in phase one mm. but fail to transition to phase two yeah. and then um, their their kids are, are overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the world they experience out there and yeah. so where we are with our kids now is beginning to expose them again in age-appropriate ways to the reality of of you know the the worldly system that's set against God mm-hmm. and then saying, hey tell me what you're seeing, uh, evaluate that. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think about it. Let's have a conversation. Let's go yeah. back to scripture and and see what it would say yeah. to these things. That's
0: good. I, I just want to add to that to say one: don't approach those conversations out of fear. Right. There's so much, uh, so many things that we end up putting up unnecessary fences and and we we form one another out of fear. And the when we can't control the things that we fear, we still seek to control and we can see the control by distancing ourselves or in a variety of ways, but fear and love, they just don't go together. That's right. And so if we, if we, if we uh, instruct and encourage and exhort our our young people out of fear, they're going to, they're going to internalize that fear. They won't be in a position to where they can love um and so there's another way in which we have to perceive sin all sin really but especially a sin like homosexuality uh as it's normal but it's not normative and so it is normal like and as as jarring as it is at times to see commercials now where there are two men or two women just openly kissing in a relationship that that seems very not normal to us and historically in some ways it's not but it's normal in the sense of two people just living the way they want to live, mm-hmm. um, and it's expressing itself in that way. And so that's normal. And we do have to approach shepherding our young people and thinking of it as something that is normal. And so it's not like this this big thing that sort of like smacked them across the face out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but it's not normative, which means we don't have to treat it as though this is the way things ought to be right. um, or that this is the best thing that God has planned for us or, or what God desires. Um, but those two things are actually not tension. They're in the sense of the way the world ought to be, mm-hmm. but they're not intention in, in the sense of our experience because we experience that <laughs> things are sin is normal. Brokenness is normal. It's not the way God wants it to be. And yet we don't settle for that. That's right. We're still striving to see God's normative. His kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's OK to have that tension. Um, don't run from it. Embrace it. And I think that will actually give our kids uh, the ability to embrace it as well.
1: That's right. Uh, the world—it's—I the, the, mentioned this a little bit in my sermon on Sunday. You know, the world traffics in fear, yep. and we have confidence Absolutely. in in the fact that the Lord is reigning, yeah. and yeah. that's the that's the baseline that we sort of plant our feet on, and mm-hmm. and we set our course by. And I, and I'll also say too, I think as the, as a church, as a as a congregation yeah. here at Four Oaks East, like make this personal for us. We've got a lot of more to work to do in terms of equipping parents and families, yeah. and that's something yeah, that yeah. we're talking about yeah. and praying about uh, as as leaders about how we can do that well uh, in fact. the days ahead
0: amen amen so josh what do we do if a christian comes out
1: to us as gay if a christian comes out to us as gay yeah okay well the first thing uh i would want to do is to to thank them for for sharing their vulnerability Mm -hmm. with us and i'd want to affirm my my care and my love for them uh and then I would want to move to asking some some good questions, um, trying to, to get to some terminological clarity. I think yeah. Yaakov, what do you mean by that? Uh, uh, yeah, what do you, yeah. when you say I'm gay? What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are there are different uses uh, of that term as a marker of identity, mm-hmm. uh, the in different ways in which people use them. And so when there are some individuals, when they say gay, they mean. Um, I experience same sex attraction, and it's mm-hmm. my desire to to see those desires fulfilled by mm-hmm. being in a same sex relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that that opens a totally different that opens one uh, path of Avenue. conversation yeah. in terms of okay, how do we how do we think about our sexuality in light of God's word, and what does whole mm-hmm. personed obedience to Him look mm-hmm. like, and how do we think about identity yep. uh, and those sorts of things? If by gay they mean I experience same sex attraction, but I'm convinced of Scripture's clear teaching on this, and I'm seeking to to um, To walk in obedience to Him and in holiness, then mm-hmm. that's a totally different uh, mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Uh, it all begins with love and, yep. and and a love for them and a desire mm-hmm. to walk with them and to help them. Mm-hmm. And that's no different than if, you, if someone confessed to me that they're struggling with pornography yeah. or heterosexual lust mm-hmm. or avarice or greed yeah. or gluttony yeah. or covetousness anger. or anger, any right. of those other sins. I'd want to say, man, thank you so much for telling me that. There's power in naming mm-hmm. sin and bringing it to the light. Yep. Uh, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another that we might be healed and experience right. healing. And so I'd want to start there, and then I would I would want to very very carefully and very gently and with as much love mm-hmm. as I can communicate um, help untangle uh, what that means. And if by gay they mean I want I, I don't see a problem with this. Or I I believe I can square that as a pursuit and a path with mm-hmm. the Word of God. Then then I want to try to convince them otherwise mm-hmm. and and remind them of the all sufficiency of Jesus yeah. and the uh, the fact that everyone is called to take up their cross and follow mm-hmm. Him to deny ourselves. That's part of the cost of discipleship. And I'd wanna I'd wanna try to help them yeah. uh, think through how to do that yeah. uh, with as much care. Well, uh, so there um, Paul Tripp talks about I think it's in. Uh, his book on helping people change. What's that called? What's the name of that book again? How people change. Not how people change. Uh, um, instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Oh yeah. Um, he said he has this phrase that I really love, and I, I've used it a lot of times in in working through questions like this. You need to, at the same time, steadfastly refuse to condemn them mm-hmm. as, a, as a as a as a brother, person. as a yeah. sister, as someone who Christ created and Christ died mm-hmm. to redeem, while also steadfastly refusing to condone mm-hmm. sin. And yep. sinful behavior, right. and so we hold those two things in tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say we can't hold those two things together. Yeah. If you don't, we talked about this in the last uh, the last uh, session we recorded. Um, we we reject the idea that we can't do both of those That's things right. at the same time. Yeah, and so um, I would want to press into that, and then I would really want to, to the extent that I could. Uh, I'd want to enter in to that struggle with them mm-hmm. and to love them and to pray mm-hmm. for them and to, to regularly be reaching out, asking them how they're doing mm-hmm. and coming alongside them yeah. in whatever way that I can just to be a good brother yeah. uh, to them. That's Amen. where I would start.
0: Yeah, I think that's great to commit. Like you said earlier, to commit for the long haul to say like, now nah, I, ain't, I ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever, however you define this, I'm already committed to you because I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, however, obviously, you know, depending on how you define it, that, that depends on the direction that we we need to go. Um, Awesome So formation question uh, Since we love to talk about formation Yes we uh, do something that's supremely important In the life of the church And the life of a Christian Uh, In terms of spiritual formation What are some habits and postures That we can practice uh, So that we become the sort of people Who respond like Jesus um, Where we're confronted with the Quote unquote untouchables You know whether it be Somebody who's homosexual Or in some context It could be somebody who's poor Or or whatever Um, But how can we sort of begin to rhythm ourselves in such a way that we instinctively can respond in ways of love and wisdom, um, in the presence of of something that to other people might seem like, ah, I don't I'm I'm
1: jarred by that. Yeah. I feel like I could do a whole a whole a whole series of podcasts and yeah. messages on this topic, but mm-hmm. I'll try to edit myself and be concise here. So the basic ones, um obviously being in the word and being in prayer, mm-hmm. that's where that's the foundation. That's the building block. Uh, read the word and see how Jesus loves untouchables yeah. and loves people that um maybe uh prim and proper, well put together religious mm-hmm. people don't want to have anything mm-hmm. don't want to have anything to do with. So start there and then pray and ask God to give you a heart for it. Help him to love uh the things that he loves help you to love the things that he loves mm-hmm. and to move toward the people that he moves toward. But then more specifically, I think there's three that I would point out that I think are really important. If you, if you really want to cultivate um that sort of a of, of visceral inner world that responds to to people the way Jesus responds to people. The first is hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um uh literally the word that's translated in hospitality is philozinia. That's right. Love for the stranger, mm-hmm. love for the foreigner. Mm-hmm. It's it's brotherly love that moves toward the person to whom you have no obligation, uh, and to whom uh nothing is owed. Uh, you love them, you welcome them because Christ has welcomed them. Right. Uh and welcome. So welcome the outsider. Welcome them. Don't be afraid to welcome them into your home. Um. I got another. Actually, pulled another Rosario Butterfield quote for this <laughs> specific one because this is so good. Uh, she says, instead of feeling sidelined by the sucker punches of a post-Christian world, Christians are called to practice radically ordinary hospitality mm. to renew their resolve in mm-hmm. Christ. Too many of us are sidelined by fears. That fear. That people will hurt us, that fear that people will negatively influence our children. Mm -hmm. We fear that we may not even understand the language of this new world order, least of all its people. We long for days gone by. And then she says this, Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad she says it so I can just quote her. (laughs) Our sentimentality makes us stupid. We need to snap ourselves out of this self-pitying reverie. The mm. best days are ahead. Mm. Jesus advances from the front of the line. My, my. And so that's in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, mm-hmm. which is a call to Christian hospitality as a gateway yeah. and, a, and a doorway to yeah. evangelism, discipleship, and welcoming people who are just getting brutalized by the mm-hmm. system of this world yeah. uh, and being sold lies that can't fulfill on what they promise. So hospitality, open your home, open your life, open your heart, uh, open your own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then open your mouth to speak, uh, to speak yeah, truth, yeah. to them. So hospitality is a big one, and then two other ones, just just quickly. One is slowing, um, st- just resist the temptation to be in a hurry all the time. Um, there's something very dehumanizing about the pace mm-hmm. that most of us live at, and, I'm, mm-hmm. and by most of us, I mean me also. Not having any margin, there's no space for the principle of of gleaning and mm-hmm. stuff being left over uh, and things like that. And so just refuse to to be in a hurry drive in the slow lane, drive under the speed limit. Like oh, wait pick the long line, like stop being in a hurry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um stop moving from one thing to the next and ask the Lord to open up your eyes mm. to the needs around yeah. you yeah. and give you a heart yeah. to step into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally simplicity. Um the practice of simplicity is is when Christians decide to give up comforts and possessions and material things and the clutter of life. So that they can leave larger spaces for loving God and mm-hmm. for loving their neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, the practice of self-denial, getting off the consumption machine mm-hmm. that drives so much of our culture yep. that so many corporations are, are profiting in significant ways from mm-hmm. right now. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a great way to cultivate a heart. That that longs for those mm-hmm. things because we don't leave any margin, we don't leave any room to notice the person. That's Jesus right. would regularly, uh, we've talked about this before. He would see them, mm-hmm. he would stop, mm-hmm. his heart would be moved That's in right. compassion, then he would go toward them That's and right. meet whatever yeah. their need was. Yeah. And I think for us to to have to to reclaim that as a category in our discipleship mm-hmm. um, is is one of the first steps yeah. to to being able to reach. Um, the people that, uh, as this person in the question, uh, called them the church's untouchables. So I think that's the place where we would start.
0: Yeah. Um, I would add to that, the discipline of silence and solitude, yes. um, the discipline of silence and solitude, we, we could just call it sitting quietly before God, um, not feeling like you were pressured to say anything. Um, and something that, that, that discipline does over time, um, especially when combined with slowing and simplicity uh, is it slows you down on the inside. So when the James says that everyone be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to slow to anger, there's also a slow to anxiousness yes. uh, that comes with that. Come on. So that when somebody, when a, when a, whether it be like a situation like, oh, this this quote unquote, we'll call them a moral foreigner, um, has now presented themselves to me. Uh, I'm not doing the first things that comes to my mind or that 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 would come to my mouth. Um, my heart isn't jumping into my throat because I'm afraid, um, but I have already this sort of steady posture of I'm I'm looking and listening to the to to the presence of God and the move of the Spirit in the moment, and that's the place that I'm going to live and react from, um, and that's the kind of thing that has to be done, sort of so to speak, in in the gym. Yes. Uh, of formation of discipline uh, over time so that you're in quote unquote shape to be able to do those ty- types of things spiritually when the moment calls for it. So, um thank you for that.
1: That's a really good one. Yeah. And we're going to do we're going to do some material on yes, uh, we are. on the disciplines and talk through there's a lot more we could say about that particular issue and so we're yeah. gonna, we're going we have much more content Absolutely. coming on that.
0: Absolutely. Um I wanted to save this one for last uh because in some ways this isn't just about Christians um, dealing with homosexual people out there, mm-hmm. so to speak. This is also uh, meant for people who are listening to this and who are struggling with homosexuality. Um, and so this last question uh, was submitted. says, uh, if I'm a Christian who wants to pursue holiness in light of my same-sex attraction, what does that look like? What words would you have for a Christian who is same-sex attracted, who's coming to you now yeah. in the form of this question?
1: If a person came to me and asked yeah. that question, I'd probably... One, uh, I would give them a hug and and tell them I love them mm-hmm. and tell them that Jesus is for them, yeah. and then I would probably ask lots of questions to yeah. figure out how to, to support them. But in the abstract, mm-hmm. I would probably say, um, I, I would use... So John Frame has a, has a formulation that's helpful. Uh, he basically says there's three perspectives on truth right. and knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's the normative, the situational, and the existential, mm-hmm. and you really need all three To have a a fully orbed perspective on what's going on, and I would say you need a uh you need you need all three perspectives, uh, to to arm yourself uh, Mm -hmm. in uh, and to renew yourself in in the promises of God Mm -hmm. as you seek to walk in obedience. And so the the normative perspective is is the is the study of God as the lawgiver as the the one who um, has supreme authority over his creation. This encounters sort of the the positive and negative. Um, aspects of scripture in terms of how God's designed the world to be ordered mm-hmm. and so um, so that that's one thing that's kind of what' God said it never changes but then there's also the situational perspective which deals with data about your world mm. It's the situational it's your situatedness right. what are the what's the life that you live? the people you're in a relationship with, the practices you keep, mm-hmm. the responsibilities that you have. But then there's the third um, perspective, which is the existential, which is what a person knows and feels mm-hmm. and how they experience that situation. Yeah. And so I would want to have... Um, I would want to answer this question in light of all three perspectives. Mm. So um, with the normative perspective, you want to arm yourself with clarity on what God's Word says about this. You want to have a settled conviction yeah. that you are not... Um, you are not being deceived by the spirit of our age or by other voices. You're having your perspective informed by the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, we we did some of this work at our equip class yeah. and I would want to meet with them and, and say, man, there's a lot of resources here in mm-hmm. scripture to help us understand God's design for our sexuality, what is allowed, what's not, Mm -hmm. in alignment with His Word Mm -hmm. for the sake of our flourishing. So you'd want to be clear on the normative perspective. Um, And also with the normative perspective, there are resources in Christ to remind you of your your ability to put away sin and promises that that can sustain you when that obedience is difficult. Mm -hmm. So arm yourself, one, in the normative Um, situationally, I'd want to say just be be a wise steward of your relationships, really press into people who love you mm-hmm. and who are for you, mm-hmm. who love you enough to tell you the truth, who will yeah. contend for you, who yeah. will pray for you, mm-hmm. um, and then take care uh, with relationships that with people who might lead you in another direction. Yeah. Um, interesting, uh, quick aside on this, I, I met with uh, a sister not long ago who had a conflict with somebody, and... Um, they were trying to figure out how to navigate that mm-hmm. conflict, and I was like, "Well, you need to go and be reconciled to that person you <laughs> had conflict with." Yeah, and they're like, "That's funny. All these other people in my life have told me I need to write them off wow. because they had been arguing about something not essential, yeah. not, not, not last, not lasting, or or yeah. things that things that maybe were unique yeah. to 2020 and 2021. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, that we might not be dealing with in five years." Uh-huh. And, and I said, man, I'm sure those people love you uh, who are telling you that you should just throw away that relationship, but they're not giving you wise counsel, Mm-mm. and they're not serving you well in Mm-mm. that. So situationally, just wisely steward your life, your relationships, how you're setting that up. Um, you may need to put some put some guardrails in place for your mm-hmm. holiness and for your obedience, that's whether right. that's what you're looking at online. Yeah. Um, uh, where you go what you do with your time yep. maybe it's not a good idea for you to live alone mm-hmm. maybe it's not a good idea if you have a roommate there's yeah. different ways of thinking yeah. about that um, just wisely uh, steward your situatedness and then on the existential side i'd want to say man like in your own soul make sure that this struggle is not just getting pressed down mm. and not just getting yeah. um getting pushed down in yeah. your soul but but Hold that before right. the Lord. He Amen. holds the parts of our story that we can't fit together mm-hmm. and that we can't make sense of. He's yeah. able to to put together what doesn't make sense in, right. from a human perspective. Um, process your struggle with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Process it with safe people in the church. Uh, his his uh, uh, his people who can love you, and then with the disciplines. Um, and I, this is one of the things that I love about Christianity that just makes it so unique from every other faith, know that Jesus understands what it's like to struggle. Like He has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. That doesn't mean he's experienced every single type of temptation that exists, Mm -hmm. but it does mean that there is no uh, form of temptation that we can walk through and experience with which he cannot identify and say, I know, I get it. Um, And he gives you himself Mm -hmm. in that. He says both I get you, and I've got you. That's right. And man, that that's what that's what can help us. That's yeah. what can arm us with what we need Amen. to make it through the difficult, um, the difficult sort of existential realities of that kind of struggle. He will by no means cast you out Amen. because of your same-sex attraction or any other sin, that's as right. long as you are coming to Him in that's faith, right. trust Him, and draw near to Him. And then I want to. Just hug that person again and yeah. tell them how much I love them yeah. and uh and 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 spend some time praying for them and, and asking the Lord to give them what they need. Would Amen. you add anything to that? I mean, that's a uh, really tender nah, one. I
0: would just say that there there are no sins uh which cannot be uh repented of. There's no there's no there's no sin in which it's like, well, you can't be holy um because you struggle. Nah. Jesus Jesus came to uh die for all of them. Um, and he was tempted, like you said, and all of it. And 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 even though that doesn't mean that Jesus experienced every literal single temptation, like for example, Jesus obviously didn't have our technological advancement to be tempted by, that does mean that there is a core experience to the nature of temptation and temptations that when Jesus says, I I get you, he's not being he's not just being sentimental. That's right. He's not just like faking at empathy. No, he really does understand, he has a share in your experience. Um, He looks at you in your struggle and says, I remember what it was like to go through that Um, right there. He really does. Like he really does. I I, I say Jesus is the only person who can honestly say in any given moment. I feel you. That's right. right. He really does feel you in that moment, in that situation. And so when you go to him, you're not going just to this sort of distant king who gives you. Uh, laws to obey, but you're coming to the compassionate King, mm-hmm. who who not only is compassionate, but who also condescends to come down off of His throne to be with you. Yeah, um, and indeed, not just off of His throne to be with you, but off of His throne to bring you onto His throne with Him. Oh man, uh, that's and that's good. the Jesus we we are living this with. Um, so I would say, be encouraged. Um, um, you might feel like you're worse off than you think, but you're actually better off than you think because Jesus is better than you think. Amen. So.
1: And if that's true, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right.
0: Yeah, it's going to be all right, and it's really going to be all right. That on that day, where you will no longer struggle with this anymore. That's
1: right. This every not going to be forever. Every temptation, every struggle is temporary. That's right. It all has an expiration date. Well, and we're going to talk about um, more about the heart of Christ yeah. toward us in our sin, in our struggle, mm-hmm. in our suffering. Uh, in January at Sunday Night Church when we think about um, Dane Ortland's wonderful book, Gentle and Lowly. So just, if anyone's still listening at this point, if you ain't got um, it, get it and read it. They could be provoked by that. No, I've got some free copies.
0: I actually got some copies at my house too. Sweet. I stole some from someone's library.
1: All right. Well it was given to me. I just did it. We don't we're not for breaking commandments around here, but we can we can we can settle that one off Mike. <laughs> well, uh Greg, I, I prayed at the end of the last one. Would yeah. you would you uh close us out just by praying Absolutely. that the Lord would specifically for the people that ask these questions, yeah. and maybe that last one in particular, maybe you could pray for that person. Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a real person. We don't know who that is, mm-hmm. but it's someone that we probably know and love yeah. a lot behind yeah. that. And I'd love uh, for somehow in in God's eternal abilities and purposes to to express some comfort yeah. through our prayer. So would you pray and we'll close Absolutely. it
0: out? Absolutely. Father, thank you so much for, uh, for being the God who loves us and the God who receives us and welcomes us in Christ. Uh, Jesus, thank you for dying for us, uh, for coming down to be with us and giving us your spirit and spirit of God. Thank you for filling us so that we know we are never alone, in the midst of all these temptations. And so, Father, I pray that you would equip us by your word and by your spirit uh, to love those who are struggling with same-sex attraction. Uh, Give us wisdom through your word to think clearly. God, may we be not people who are swept along by the winds and waves of, of every doctrine that our culture throws about, but may we be like those wise people who understand the times because we know your word. And God, I pray for that, that brother or sister uh, or those brothers or sisters who find themselves in that last question, being a Christian who struggled with same-sex attraction. God, I pray that they would know that they are deeply, deeply loved, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that, Jesus, you are excited to see them safely home to be with you. And you are excited to love them through through your presence in your people. And so I pray that they would know welcome, that they would know love, and that they would know the power of the gospel to transform us. Um, and give them freedom from these temptations. And God, we pray all these things in Your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Until next time, we'll have.